Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Mac Weldon. Since the very beginning of this show, those are words I have felt privileged to say. What a quality product. Say that from personal experience. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Not only do Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means they don't smell. If you don't like your first pair, you keep it. They'll still refund you. No questions asked. I wear my Mack Weldon's all the time. Specifically, I save my Mack Weldon's in the drawer until I need some some confidence. If I'm going on stage for a big show or I got a big meeting or something, I wear my Mack Weldon's because they make me feel so good. My wife says they're a flattering cut. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com. Enter the promo code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. That's MacWeldon.com, promo code BEAUTIFUL. Hello to all the punk rockers down the alley. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one I think it'll be more fun And I'll get to know you And you'll get to know me Hello, everybody. Welcome. Beautiful Anonymous, Chris Gethard here, thanking you so much for listening, supporting me in general. So you know, if you've been listening to the show, I've been going on the road all summer long and uh, Wrapped up Austin, Texas by the time you heard this. Recording it before I go to Austin. Love that town. Hoping it goes well. I, uh, that means that we got our, our London taping coming up. They opened up some more seats for the London taping. I also have a stand-up show. And uh, one of them sold out. One of the stand-up shows is not. You go get tickets for all those things. See you soon, London. I remember last time I was in London. I've talked about on the show how career suicide I was uh, duking it out couldn't wrap my head around it but i will say so many beautiful anonymous fans came out so psyched to bring the show to london and uh, meet all you guys again and i get those tickets they're going fast chrisgeth.com is where you can get the tickets you can also find out information on my new book lose well it's coming out you got a few weeks left to pre-order it and uh man would i would it be a huge relief if you did it would be a weight off your guy's shoulder so if you're planning on getting the book why not pre-order it remove some stress from my life, make the publishing company happy. I actually, this week, we got a little uh, pre-order incentive. There's a few of them on there, including one where I will uh, send you an outgoing voicemail message as a thank you for your purchase. People buy multiple copies of the book. I will actually call you on the phone. I spent this week calling a bunch of people. They all want, I wound up talking to all these people for like, I think it says it's a two minute call. I wound up talking to everybody for like 10 minutes. They're just nice people. The people, that's the thing I've learned going out on the road, doing projects like this, doing these giveaways, the people who listen to this show are just thoughtful people, just kind people, and I, I thank God for all of you for listening. I really do. So you want to pre-order the book? Go do it. And if you want to do the crazy uh, one where you order a bunch of copies to give away as presents and then we talk on the phone, we can talk on the phone. ChrisGeth.com, again, is where all that info is at. Exciting thing about being on the road. Want to make sure I don't forget, 
I did a show, one of my shows in Salt Lake City at Wise Guys. I had a really great time meeting all you guys at Wise Guys. The, the nicest, nicest people came up to me after the show. There was one night where I met two callers. You guys, on the same night, I met 39-year-old grandma and major postal bitch, two recent standout callers, beloved by the community. So nice to meet both of them. Hope they're doing well. And uh, wanted to say something that I actually thought was really nice. Meeting the, the I, I feel bad referring to a human as major postal bitch. It is a name that uh, was was self-granted. But, but meeting the caller from that call, what a sweet guy, and, and went out of his way. He said, Chris, I, I just wanted to, I knew I was going to be seeing you, so I didn't want to post this on the Facebook group or put it online. I wanted to just tell you face-to-face that, you know, I, I saw a lot of people's reactions to the show, and I know that I described some situations that got out of control and uh, said, please let the listeners know I take domestic abuse really seriously, and I volunteer now, and... I've worked hard, and and you know there there were stories there about you know drug use and and uh, and fighting and and whatnot. And uh, I face to face had a conversation with the subject of the episode, Major Postal Bitch, where he wanted me to reassure all the listeners: you gotta uh, you gotta deal with your deal with your choices, deal with the life you lead, and try to do right. And uh, it was so nice to meet him face to face. And he just really, it was very, he said it was very important for me to relay that. And uh, I wanted to make sure we sent that message out there into the world because I thought that was, I really loved that call while I was doing it. I thought the some of those stories were, you know, very, in a certain way, sort of extreme, good listening, exciting to hear, but also real life consequences. And to meet the real life person, he said, no, there have been consequences and I'm working really hard and I take it seriously and your listeners should know that. I thought that was a good example to set. Such a cool thing. All right. Last week's episode, we talked with someone who worked at Facebook and owned two gigantic cats that once kept him from taking a job. I have to say, the uh, the beautiful anonymous Facebook community, which is a such a nice oasis of positivity in the increasingly negative cesspool that is the internet at large. Facebook, it just we just broke 30,000 members, by the way, on the Facebook group. Come join up, discuss episodes. One of my favorite things. First of all, you'll be happy to hear uh, in the discussion thread for the episode, the caller sent Harry Nelson, good old Harry Nelson, some pictures of the cats in question, posted some pictures of the cats. They're now down to the, the, the uh, living cat, rather, the one passed away. The cat is 16 pounds now, has lost some weight, 16 pounds. So you can see a picture of the 16-pound cat. Also want to make sure I give special thanks to uh, Laura, <laughs> Laura, who uh, posted a picture of herself holding a 20-pound cat that she owns. And Allison replied and said, the girthiest angel I have ever seen. What an immense squish. So if you want to see the girthiest angel and an immense squish of a cat, you join the Facebook group. Someone else, let me scroll down to this one. Serena posted a picture of her cat that weighs 28 pounds. What the hell are you talking about? Here's my 28 pounds of cat. He lived with us only a short while as my other kitties were not welcoming with him. Yeah, because it's a monster in their world. But his new owner sends me updates all the time. He's a Norwegian forest cat and the gentlest and most lovey-dovey giant you've ever seen. With a picture of a 28-pound cat being held by... Dude. Oh, God, cat pictures in the internet. It's why the internet was invented. Okay, this week's episode... 
an interesting one. I would say an intense one. It's one that I've thought a lot about since we uh, first held the call. A lot of people, I think, are going to be very fascinated by this episode. Not everyone is going to have positive feelings about it. There's going to be a range there, and that's okay. If you discuss it online, I will just ask. Remember, retain your humanity. Human beings are human beings. It's a person who's opening up, being vulnerable. This is someone who um, lives a traveling lifestyle. That's something I can identify with. This is someone who's on the road, as you're going to hear. And part of living the road life, especially if you get into it when, uh, you know, drink stretches. When you're single, you meet people. You go from city to city, and, and maybe you uh, you meet up with people for fleeting instances. This is someone who I think is uh, in the call. It's fair to say, right, Harry? Wrapping their head around the fact that maybe this has gone too far. This is someone who has some addiction issues. And it's a really interesting call, really intense call. There's going to be some moments that I think people sympathize with. There's going to be some moments that people draw some lines about. There's going to be some moments that people feel like crossed some lines. I think the caller is aware of all that and is trying to sort all that out, trying to rationalize what all that means and what some of the choices they made along the way um, reflect and what impact they've had. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I also sing a lot. I sing a lot of bad punk rock songs along the way. So it's still some fun there, but I tell you, it's a, it's an issue that... uh that we don't talk about so much and we get to hear it from someone who's kind of sorting out being in the middle of the issues. So there's sympathy to be had. There's some shock to be had. But overall, there's empathy to be had. So let's remember that. Let's enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is Chris. This is Chris. I feel like they always say, is this Chris? Because I don't think that you ever think about the you, that you're just waiting and then Chris comes. Yeah, traditionally, hi, is this Chris is, is said <laughs> at the beginning of most calls. Right. Well, happy to be here. Um, happy to have you. How are you? How am I? I? I tell you, I'm in a, I'm in a very, I'm in one of these weird, like foggy, um, mindsets. I got just last night, pretty late in the day, I got asked to do a role on a uh, crashing Pete Holmes' show on HBO. And what a uh, fantastic show. Yeah, I really love it. And, and, uh, the great Judd Apatow is an executive producer and he's been a real mentor to me and Pete Holmes. Yeah, I actually watched friend. his, um, that uh, the A and E show uh, Culture Shock has like a Freaks and Geeks documentary. I haven't seen it yet. How is it? He, um, oh my god! I my heart was about to burst the whole time. It was so beautiful. That's awesome. I mean, the Gary it made Sh- it all feel so so the, cool. The Gary Shandling doc he did for HBO, I think, is like next <laughs> level. Next level. Can you hear me? Yeah. Same. Okay, I thought maybe you were cutting out a little bit there. Uh, um, it's time. Um, one second. Gary I'm going to switch to my. Uh, I'm going to switch. I, I have headphones on, but I'm going to take them off and just switch to normal phone. I'm sorry. One no, second. no worries. Let's do it. Cool. Just trying to talk about Gary Shaling a little bit, but. Okay. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay. 
Um, yeah, the show is, uh, the episode is incredible and it, um, it just, it was very, it was a lot more emotional than I expected it to be. I didn't realize that the show was kind of just like, I mean, I realized how important it was to those people. Me and my brother used to watch it when we were very young. I mean, I, I was on TV when I was maybe 12, so it was, uh, 13. So it was yeah. pretty, uh. It hit me pretty hard, um, but then you know I watched all those people become famous, and I knew that it was it had a lot to do with them being on that show. But I was still kind of blown away by how uh, how well maybe it was just the documentary captured it so emotionally. It was really special. You should watch it as soon as you can if you're a fan. I will. I'll check it out. It's wonderful. Check it out. Um, I've been up since yeah, five a.m. Uh, I'm up. having a weird day. Can I tell you oh, about my day? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait. Did you finish talking about your day? No. But that's okay. It's not about me. I mean, you asked. You asked. I was it trying is to cool answer. You're doing crashing. I remember that you said that three seconds ago. It's yeah. a wonderful show. But yeah, that's. I just wanted to give you warning because I've been up. For, I've been up since like five a.m. And I was. Uh, that's great. I'm also exhausted. Yeah. I um. Okay. I don't want to talk about my work because I feel like it would be very revealing. Um. Uh, it would make it pretty easy for a lot of people to, that I know to maybe that I know watch listen to the show that may be able to determine who I am. Uh Um, But suffice it to say that I travel for work and I've been, I worked until 3 a.m. on Sunday night. uh, Well, Sunday morning, Saturday night and uh, flew home at 6 a.m. and then like slept for a few hours and then just have pretty much worked since. And now it's, um, it's uh, Wednesday night and I leave for the airport in about uh, an hour and a half, two hours. They're going to be there. So that's weird. You fly I'm going to hang up this phone call, go to the airport, and then work for a month. Um, a month? You do the frequent flyers? Uh, but, yeah. You know, I got a couple points, but they don't seem to do me much good. If you're not, if you're flying as much as you say you are and you're not doing a frequent flyer, then, frankly, my friend, I don't even know where well, to begin with you. <laughs> I don't book my own airfare. Uh, my employers do. Ooh. So uh, perhaps I'm just a little dim and I don't know how to play the system well enough, but it's for me, uh, you know, I don't always fly the same airline. So I have an okay amount of points with a lot of airlines. You got to focus up and strategize, buddy. I agree with you. Focus up and strategize. I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, the check because I agree. I think it's something that I need to, I need to get my hands on, but honestly on the list of things, it's not on the top of the, of my, um, to do, Okay, um, but yeah, like I was saying before, like okay, as exhausted we'll as I am from this, um, from all this travel, um, it's also I've been I've been having a hard time recently determining how to. Um, I feel very unsettled and unsatisfied about my life, and just that I kind of happened into my job and I love it, and it represents it's so it's. I'm so heavily involved in the things that matter the most to me. Um, and I'm very lucky to do what I do and make money doing it. And I think a lot of people would love to do what I do. And well, I think a lot of people do it for free because it's a wonderful thing to do. But um, I am just, I've lo- it's kind of lost its charm. I don't feel attached to it anymore. And it feels like a paycheck, which is something that I, I, I never wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. It's been difficult to reconcile that 
something that used to fill my heart up entirely is now causes me to feel an incredible amount of um, emptiness. And you just sound like a stand-up like comedian. Like a giant nameless hole in my chest. I feel like I don't have any permanence in my life. I feel like we'll be able to connect because you're describing every stand-up comedian I know. You travel all the time at weird. Yeah. Although no one buys our airfare for us, that's how I know you're not a comedian. Is you're not <laughs> schlepping out your own airfare. But yeah, this idea that you travel around doing the thing you love, and a lot of people do it for free because yeah. it's the dream. And uh, but it also yeah, I'm just gonna tell isolates you. Because I, do, I don't feel like being vague anymore. Okay. Um, I do uh, road crew for bands. I like tour with bands. I had a, a feeling. Um, I was going to say, you're in music management? <laughs> no, I do. I'm actually a merch guy. Merch guy. Big bands, though. That stuff flies. That's not an easy gig. No, it's not. Uh, all the bands I work for sell, you know, uh, twice my year, like, a twi- like twice the amount of a year's worth of rent for me a night. Damn. Usually the case. Um, so it's a lot of work and it's a lot of stress, but it's also being around things that are very important to me. And it's something that I did because I was, um, the way I got into it was basically just by like, uh, I was very, you know, I was very involved in it my whole life. I just loved it. Love music it was all that mattered. And then when it came time to go to college, I didn't go and instead went, uh, and toured with some really close friends of mine, um, and just did the thing where you just sleep on floors and you put a tip jar out that says, We'll mow your lawn and do your dishes if you let us sleep on your floor. And then we didn't get murdered and stayed on people's floors all over the country. And then just did it and did it and did it. We were just kind of like fucked up in the head and just wanted to go to different places and get drunk with each other. Mm-hmm. DIY, like baby. Get drunk and you get it. DIY, um, baby. Black flag sleeping in the church, baby. The mi- <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it wasn't that quite that dangerous. Get in the um, van, baby. Henry Rollins. Get in the van, baby. No, but I think we came in at the end where it was like a little less. Um, I think we, I feel like we were one of the last um, eras of uh, the DIY lifestyle. That because uh, I, when I was started getting into music very heavily and involving myself in it, it was still it was right before the internet. So I feel like right. me and my uh, friends and a lot of the people I know that are doing cool stuff now came in right at the end of that right at the end of um you sounds, know sounds like we might be of similar age i'm 38 i'm 31 you're 31 oh so you're younger than i see because i feel like i think yeah of, like the internet like I, I remember the days when it's like oh you'd find new music by reading zines you'd read fanzines yeah, well, which were like see, largely homemade i grew up in a shitty small town and we had not we didn't have anything and i wasn't have much money growing up so we didn't have like you know even when People started getting the internet. I probably didn't have it, but I, I got it. I started going to shows really young, like twelve. I started to go shows. Yeah, me too. And I had a like cool older brother. Small punk shows and like you had a cool older brother. Did you have a cool no, older brother? No, he's only about a year, uh, less than a year and a half older than me. We were both very young. Uh, we were just we didn't a single mom and no no dad and she was, ah so no she was supervision to, to right. Um, yeah. I can't even believe some of the things that we used to do. You know, like we would just fly and then just go two towns over to a horrible place that I, I, the first time I heard the name of almost every single drug was in the alleyway that the front door of that punk venue was in. Um, and I was like 13 going there, but I, I mean, I, you know, I heard about bands from just reading liner notes, you know, 
the thank Word of yous mouth. Yeah. and then uh, buying their records. Yeah, and you look up stuff that's on the same label and you start to realize right. people I cross mean, over. Yeah, and I, I miss that, you know, like uh, being able to trust a label completely. Like when I was a kid, man, Lookout Records, I can't imagine just... I, there was this one band that was on Lookout Records that I always remember because they were like the only band that I just found in liner notes or in like this catalog that came in the CDs, you know, and Who's just that? were horrible. Because I was a pretty big Lookout <laughs> fan. Oh, well, right on, man. Uh, do you remember that band, Rife? <laughs> Rife. I don't. They rarely get the reaction from people, and I think the only reason I, I remember Rife. them is because they were the only one that wasn't good. Yeah. I don't remember Rife. I think it was Lookout. I mean, it could have been, you know, I don't know. It's been a while. I'm gonna go ahead and Lookout. list. I'm gonna go ahead and list some of my favorite Lookout records releases for anyone who might be listening. Please do. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Number one, one of my greatest albums of all time. I remember the day I bought it. I got in trouble because I skipped out on practice for the school musical my freshman year of high school. The Mr. T Experience, Love Is Dead, great album, blue vinyl. You sir. That would have been my first. That would that would be top three for sure. We're talking respect. Continue. Track one, sackcloth and ashes. Sack two, track two, ba 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 ba. Great tunes. Great and where tunes. do you go from ba 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 ba? You wouldn't imagine where. Where could you go from there? Because that is such a high point. What is after ba 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 ba? Now we're. Uh, what is it? Thank you is for it, not being one of them. A, a song close to my heart. Is that? I thought it was. Uh, no, I'm probably wrong on the order. I don't remember. I wrote a book about rock and roll. I might be wrong. I was trying to give you a big, uh, a big entrance into that, but we both blew it. Because when they, I, I was always a big fan doing of it again. I want to thank you mm-hmm. for not being one of them. What thank a fantastic you band, man! For not they, being one of them. Whoa, you know, and if you whoa. think about the Mr. T experience, yeah. it's really special because they were, they were, they're, they've been around for a really long time. Like they started in like, oh yeah, the eighties, mid eighties. Like yeah. I want to say like eighties. Six Gilman, and they were just the poppiest thing, and there wasn't any of that going on. Like, they're like, I mean, the the descendants, of course, but there wasn't really a lot of like people making like playing clean guitars and playing like you know, like that poppy of like. And the descendants were still angry, not a lot of that going on. Descendants were still angry, MTX was more sad, correct? But the descendants were also goofy, they were goofy, mean a whole lot to me, man. Can yeah. I tell you how much the descendants mean to me, and then you could tell me your second favorite lookout record? You got a Milo tattoo? What are we talking? Of course. Nice. I mean, I got one on my 18th birthday. <laughs> I, got, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> Insular punk rock talk. That should do great with our community. Okay, how much do they mean yeah, to you? Well, Was that what you were going to say? So, yeah, when I started going to that shitty punk venue... Um, I was like, I was been a small person, and I was so scrawny that I, um, I used to like, you know, I was attracted to punk because it was for weirdos, and that's great, and it was for people who didn't fit in, and all my punk friends came from broken homes, and it all felt okay being around people that were also fucked up. And then I would go to punk shows, and then, um, you know, they, I would just still get picked on. Like, they would just kind of push me around still and goof off to me because kids are kids, people are people, and they just like to pick on people that are small, and that's just normal for some people, and that just happens. So just being, like, a scrawny kid, I still get picked on there. So I was like, fuck punk rock. Shit's dumb. You know, it's for another fucking cool kids mm-hmm. club. Like, I don't want it. You know, mm-hmm. I listen to, like, cool kids by Screeching Weasel and shit and think about that. It's a and real then, cool club um, on the other side of town. Yep. It's a real um, cool club, so and then, you're not part of it, right? That's right. 
And then um, I would go to these shows and still get picked on. So I said, screw punk. And then I heard the descendants for the first time. Um, I think because like sublime covered them on that record, you know, oh, I didn't uh, know they covered hope okay. on uh, 40 ounces for the freedom. It was the first time I've said 40 ounces to freedom in a long time. That's a mm-hmm. ridiculous album title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, I think people might be liking my samples of the songs. I've now sampled, I've, I've sang a little Mr. T experience, MTX sang a little screeching weasel. Maybe yeah, I mean, I would, I, I, I have a feeling we're going to talk a lot about punk rock. So if you want to maybe. Just, Well, let me talk. Let me talk, my man. I'm sorry. You're nervous. nervous. You're nervous. I I know. You're the nervous interrupter. (laughs) That's the name of your punk band, the nervous interrupters. You're the nervous interrupter. I'm going to give a little sample of the descendants so people know what we're talking about. The descendants sound a little something like this. Even though you'll never come clean, you know it's true. These sheets are dirty, and so are you. Okay, continue. The nervous interrupter. You can, you chose that I'm going to make fun of you every time you nervous interrupt from now on. That's great. Pu- um, push you around like a kid at a show in the 90s. Because it's very 80s. It is. I don't know what you said because I talked. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it is very <laughs> 80s, but a great song. Yeah. Maybe a little um, misogynistic. So anyway, it sucked there, and I didn't like it, and it made me uncomfortable. And then I heard the Descendants because they were because Sublime covered them. And Sublime was a very accessible band at that point. And so I heard The Descendants, and then I saw, I bought the record because I liked it. And that was like one of my first bands that wasn't like a main punk band um, or a local punk band. It was like there was local bands playing shows around town. And then there was like the main ones like Blink-22 and Green Day that were on the radio that I knew about, and you know, like MXPX and things um, that were just like high up enough that uh, you just know of them. But Descendants were my first like real punk band, I guess I thought. And then I, I got the record and I saw a photo of them and I couldn't believe how ugly and, and goofy they were. Yeah. And then they had tracks where it was just like whole tracks of them farting into a record, you know? Yeah. Like into a recorder. Yeah. We're going to put out a and special just, episode I of Beautiful stopped. Anonymous like that. Beautiful farts from anonymous people <laughs> or anyone who can Is call. Is that right? I missed that one. A- anyone that must can... be in the back catalog. It, it's going to be on Stitcher Premium. <laughs> It's going to be beyond the paywall. There's people farting for now. That's one you can't just queue up for free on uh-huh, iTunes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but anyway, so the Descendants, seeing them and looking at them and then hearing them, like they, were, they sounded tough to a degree because it's kind of fast and it has guts to it, but it's also very emotional. It's about girls and it's about being sad and it's about being fucked up and not fitting in, blah, blah, blah. And, and then they look know, like me. I never felt, yeah, and me too, man. And I never felt like that ever before. And I know, and I've, I, and like, that was the moment where I was like, you know, I don't know if I knew it then, but that was definitely the moment where I was just forever, just seeing the descendants and seeing what they looked like was the time, the moment where I realized that I was never going to live like in a straight path, kind of, you know, normal Good old life. punk rock. I had a similar experience with that old punk rock, had a similar experience. Okay. Now I'm going to go ahead and say this. We can return to punk rock later. And I'll keep listing some of my favorite cuts from the Lookout Records catalog. I also guarantee you that we've been going for, I mean, we've been going for 18 minutes and all, it's all we've talked about. We have to talk about something besides punk rock because I can guarantee that many people are going, this is, uh, this was interesting and now it's not getting interesting. So you're saying, you're saying that being in this music world, being on the edge of the music scene, traveling bands that are getting progressively bigger, it's burning you out. It's leaving you feeling empty inside, leaving you empty, feeling hollow inside. So how is this, uh, how is this? Uh, how is this affecting things? How is this affecting your life? I would imagine hard to uh, hard to find a way to make the positive changes in your life when you live a life that's intentionally foundationless. 
That's intentionally fast, did you say? Foundationless. Oh, foundationless. You cut out there for a second. Um, yes, it's very difficult. <laughs> intentionally foundationless. That could be the album title for any number of emo bands I grew up listening to. I bet a caller would agree. Shame I didn't get that joke out on the call. I could only get it out as I tell you about advertisements. The most punk rock thing of all, advertisements. Listen, guys, we got these ads coming up. They got promo codes. Use them. If you're so inclined, those promo codes help the show when you do. We'll be right back with more phone call after this. Support for today's show comes from Brooklinen. Named the winner of the best of online betting category by Good Housekeeping, Brooklinen is the fastest growing betting brand in the world with over 20,000 five-star reviews. That's important. We all know that. Their mission, to bring five-star hotel quality sheets to everyday life, offering luxury sheets without the luxury markup. Their method, eliminating the middleman to keep things more personal. From design to manufacturing to customer service and beyond, I sleep on Brooklinen sheets. I'm telling you, they are high quality. You slip into bed, and there's times where you just drift off a little easier, and it's because things are just going right, and because the products you've chosen to place in your sleep environment are quality ones. Brooklinen is one of these products, and it helps. It improves my sleep. Simply put, I get better sleep on the nights when those are the sheets on my bed. My Brooklinen sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for my listeners. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code BEAUTIFUL at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so sure you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BEAUTIFUL at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BEAUTIFUL. Brooklinen. These really are the best sheets ever. These days, you can get practically everything on demand. Like this podcast right now, right? You listen when you want, when it's convenient for you. So why are you still taking trips to the post office when you can get postage on demand at Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, using your own computer and printer. Then the mail carrier picks it up. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. Couldn't be easier. I've used it myself. I have a lot of trouble figuring out things that involve technology and logistics and printing and this and that. Stamps.com was a dream. It was a breeze. Easy to use, intuitive, and it helps you out. You save a lot of time, save a lot of effort. No reason not to love Stamps.com. Right now, use the code BEAUTIFUL for this special offer. Up to $55 free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in beautiful. That's stamps.com. Enter beautiful. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. Now let's get back to the phone call. Hard to find a way to make the positive changes in your life when you live a life that's intentionally foundationless. That's intentionally fast, did you say? Foundationless. Oh, foundationless. You cut out there for a second. Um, yes, it's very difficult. <laughs> now, what's going on? Um, I don't know, man. I've been thinking a lot lately about whether or not it's like a chicken or the egg thing. Like, do I do what I do for a living because I it like means so much to me? Or is it because I need to run away from things like every month? Yeah. 
you know? You're running away. Uh, I mean, I've never, like, I've kept relationships going for a while, but I don't, just the freedom that I've had has kept me from truly experiencing them. Um, and, you know, the last relationship I had was for three and a half years, and I was home for maybe half of that. So was I in a relationship for a year and three quarters, or how does that work, you know? Ask her if you can... I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really fucking hard. And the transitioning is super difficult because I never truly feel like I'm in one place. And I used to love the idea of being able to just cut and run. And now I'm in a place in my life where I'm particularly very alone. Um, like literally very alone. Uh, I moved to the other side of the country to be with my ex. We lived in a apartment together for three and a half years and then she we split up i left her and then um uh i stayed in that sad weird little apartment for like it's been about seven months now and uh, you know i don't know anybody out here because i never tried to have a social life because i've always been working or with her so uh i don't really i all my time home alone and that is is a pretty powerful experience like I learned a lot, but it's really difficult at times. Did I answer your question? I don't even know. I don't know, man. My thing is I asked you one question, and then you just go. That's what I've noticed. You just go. Anybody who knows me knows that. I talk a lot. Yeah, you just go. But, you, yeah, you spout out a lot of stuff, but it gives me a lot of time. So, so, uh, relationship, you gave it the honest shot. You moved to be with somebody. Broke up. Now you're yeah. you're 31 years old. You're at an age where maybe the uh, the novelty of the road life is is uh, not as appealing as it used to be in that particular sense. I would have. I to... guess I just feel like something's got to give. You know, like I'm at a place where the, my job is not extremely exciting anymore, and it feels like a yeah. paycheck. Like I said before, which is heartbreaking. And then um, I'm also at a place where like I could, you know, live anywhere. Like, I have no ties to this place, and my job lets me, I can live anywhere I want because of my job. Yeah. So I just kind of, I feel like something's got to give. Like, should I just cut and run and move to fucking Germany or some shit and live there? See what that's all about. I hear Germany's cool. I hear Berlin's real cool. You know? So, yeah, I, I, I would live in Cologne. I think that's a really special city. Cologne. All right. Now, let me ask you. I got some questions to ask you. I got a big one. Please. This might, uh, who knows, this is a stab in the dark. Might be nothing to this. Might bring some stuff up. You say, you say it's, very, it's been very hard for you to keep a relationship. You even said that your three-and-a-half-year relationship, does that even count as three years when you're gone so much? You're on the road. You're the merch guy. You're the tip of the spear as far as uh, overzealous fans who want to party. Is this a part? Mm-hmm. Is this is a part of your life. Is this a part of it? This relationship conundrum. You know what I'm saying. You're asking if me being on the road is a part, like being out there and having like unlimited opportunity. I'm saying, I'm saying that. Uh, look, you're a merch guy who loves to talk, and it <laughs> sounds like you're working with bands of a level that they have some fanatics. There's girls who are talking to you. There's girls coming yeah. at you. I'm starting to connect all the dots is what I'm saying of it's so hard to have a relationship. Also, I'm on the road all the time. Well, yeah, your buddy Gethard starts to you... wonder what's at the root of this. I, 
Um, uh, you know, I've done some things. See, this is this. You know, I've. It's always been. I've never had an easy time with um, fidelity um, and being. You know, with one person forever has never been easy. Um, but you know, I mean, it's just, it's something that I've fought and worked on and it's just kind of, uh, I mean, I have ADHD and there's a lot of impulsiveness there. And I think as a younger person, the impulse, like giving into the impulse was impossible. And with age, it's become easier. And, um, you know, with my ex, I, um, I did, you know, I, I, I was single for years before that. And, um, I was working on that specifically on fidelity before I had met her and worked on working specifically on my ability to, you know, like I, I wondered if I was just in case incapable of being with one person. And I wasn't really open-minded enough to understand like the merits of, polyamorous relationships or just alternative relationships in general. And I, I, you know, but I met her and I was just, you know, I had this like very old school idea of just, she's the one that's going to, that's going to give me the power within myself to actually put into play all these things that I've been spending these years alone working on. And to some degree it was correct. And then, um, I did, and you know, I was faithful to her, uh, for a good long time. And then at the end of it, kind of why I left was because I knew that I was selling myself short and that I wasn't really able to do it. So that's pretty much why I left her. Because the the temptations were too great and you you couldn't withstand? No, it's not just about like having sex with people that I meet on tour. It's more about like different kinds of sex, you know, like, um, I'd never been with a man. Um, I had never been with a trans person. And these were all things that excited me a great deal. And I just like was, I've, I've always been, you know, punk rock being around it as long as I have, like, you know, and you get it, it's a very supportive community, or at least it can be. And I grew up, I grew up around a lot of people who had, a, who had a really good idea of all that. But I also grew up at the end of the, you know, like I said before, like it was like Blink-22 was on the radio and, you know, calling your friends gay was still something I did up until I was like, 15, 16, you know, I don't probably later. It's just, it, I grew up in a time and place where people weren't checking each other as much. And I think like someone who's in the in punk scene, like five, maybe 10 years younger than me, it's a lot better of a situation. But when I was coming out, you probably being around comedians and stuff. It's like, oh, and being, you know, just say the worst shit they can think of just to make each other laugh. Because you're in a band for 10 hours and what else are you going to say? And growing up punk too. That's another thing. I'm, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed and so overjoyed, you know, um, being the old guy who still sometimes goes to a punk show, some of these DIY spaces, even though most of them in Brooklyn have been shutting down, this whole idea that punk rock shows are safe spaces is a thing. A lot of people hear that phrase. For anyone listening, that's a thing that's very popular in pop, pop in punk rock right now. Is this idea of like if you go to a punk show, the place is holding, you're safe there. That's a safe space, no matter who you are. That's overwhelming, and that's new. That's a new part of the culture. When I was very a, new, and when, it's not even. Let me finish, true. interrupter. Interrupter, I'm going to start destroying you on that. You're the interrupter. <laughs> Let me finish. Because I was that, say, that was aggressive. That worked. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to. Uh, I was going to say when I was a kid, and it sounds like you too, wherever you grew up, 
you would go to punk shows sometimes and you didn't know if you were going to get the shit beat out of you by skinheads. You didn't know that. You were going to go to a punk show. You might hear some of the most uh, close-minded stuff. It might be, you might get beat up by a bunch of like militant vegans back in the day. Like there was a lot of that stuff or like militant Krishna bands that would beat you up. Like a lot of those different hardcore bands had these like very specific sets of ideals and they'd fight. I have before to interrupt. Them. There was militant Krishna bands? Oh yeah. There was Krishna hardcore. Really? I don't know how militant really? the Krishna guys were though. I think I mixed them all <laughs> up in my head. Earth Crisis was an Christian or like Hari Krishna? Krishna. Like, yeah. right, hold on. It wasn't seven seconds. I don't think they were, me I don't think they were uh, militant. Yeah, Krishna Core. There's a whole wing of uh, hardcore called Krishna That's Core. Wild. Yeah, you got to get in I on think. the Krishna Core. Punk, my point being, I had no idea. Punk rock gets very tribal and territorial and weird and at times closed minded. And the idea that it's this bastion of open minded thought is a beautiful, beautiful thing. That, But the idea that that's universal is relatively new. Used to be terrifying. To go to, sometimes you'd go to punk rock shows that were transcendent and beautiful. Sometimes you'd go and you'd feel more scared than you ever felt in your life. I can attest to that personally. There you um, go. I mean, I did, the only reason I don't like hardcore is because of how violent it can be. Like, I grew up in a place where the hardcore kids were pretty gnarly, oh, um, yeah. like tough, like straight edge. It was all it was all straight edge. Straight so edge with that kids, same yeah. shitty punk club. What's that? Those straight edge kids will come at you. What did, what did, what did you say? Nothing. It's okay. Move on. Oh. It's okay. okay. Um, the the that same shitty punk club I used to go to when I was a kid. Um, we would go to ska shows or emo shows or whatever punk shows, pop punk, and it was all um, cool. And we would just skateboard and smoke weed and drink if we could find it and things like that. And that's what we would do outside the show. And that's just what happened. And then you'd go to the, you'd go to all those shows and it was fun and everyone, nobody gave a shit. And then you go to the hardcore shows and they would just like beat you up and yeah. kick you around for not being, you know, like that. Yeah. Also, but we had to, like I said, we had to go to a place that was terrifying, you know, like we had to go to a place that was just absolutely, yeah. you go to, you could just get stabbed by someone else. Yeah. There was Nazi, you know, there was Nazi gangs and skinhead gangs and shit. Like, I don't think you see that anymore. But Not it used as much. to be more dangerous, I agree. Yeah, you'd be 16 years old. You'd have to go to some like terrible corner of three towns over and and mm -hmm. be amongst people who were uh, in real bad shape. Anyway, okay, yeah. so and it, let's focus up. Let's focus up. So you said you used to be more closed-minded even as a young punk, but you're getting more open-minded now. I was very intrigued. So... You need there's there's a need for sexual exploration or experimentation, however you'd like to phrase it, that you yeah, feel like maybe is for sure. maybe that's um, part of your uh, inability to settle down thus far in life. Perhaps I mean I guess maybe you know I'd never admitted to myself that I could even be attracted to a man until very recently, which again seems so fucking crazy to say out loud because I spent my life in a community that. Even back then when it was more dangerous, it was still, there was an emphasis on open-mindedness. I mean, at least in this like broad, non-consumerist, non-conformist way that was juvenile, but it was still there, you know? I mean, I had Propagandi's records when I was 14 years old that just said anti-racist, anti-homophobe, all that shit all over it. And I loved it and I thought it was a beautiful thing. But even growing up, growing up around that shit, I still felt like here I am fucking 18 years later and I'm like embarrassed to admit 
or it's only recently that I can admit to myself that I have like sexual feelings for any, for people, for people that aren't exclusively women and that, and then the idea of having romantic feelings for them is still so new. So then I think I'm 31 years old and all of a sudden I'm having these feelings and I'm admitting to myself and that's the first step towards acting on them and then I'm acting on them and then I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm embracing these ideas, but to say, but it's like, I spent fucking 30, am I cursing too much? I spent 30 years telling myself I'm a straight man, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how to, like, it's not like I'm bummed. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of myself for, for doing these things, but it's, there's a little bit of confusion in that. There's a little bit of uh, anxiety in that because it just opens the door to so many things that you think, well, where am I? And I'm you know, that had a lot to do with leaving my ex, but it's like, well, if that's the case, then, you know, where do I go from here? And if there's that many options, if everybody I meet is somebody I could love, I don't, I mean, not, I don't know. It's uh, maybe I'm a little confused and maybe I'm a little uh, anxious to understand myself. And I think that I have something inside of me that makes me want to really uh, pin it down when I don't think it needs to be. Does that make sense? Well, it's an interesting world, right? Like we're shifting from a world that has some very firm, solid lines in regards to how we classify this exact type of thing into a world that's much more willing to have dotted lines or no lines at all. And that's really beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like I was in, I was like amidst the transition. Like when I was young, it it was hardly there. And now it's so there that I feel like I'm almost, it's harder for me to embrace it because I was raised in a, I I was, I was raised in a, in a a time when it was not something you'd, you'd really embraced or talked about. And now I'm, you know, the formative years of my life are gone. And now I'm in a place where, and where I feel more comfortable being who I am. And is that just, something that comes with age is the world changing probably both i mean i was raised by immigrants to a degree like my grandparents are immigrants and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like heavy patriarchal shit going on there and yeah religious shit man like as much as i want to it's in me forever of course man. i can i can work with it but it's there you don't have to tell me twice i'm an irish catholic it'll never leave it'll never leave so i want to be there so so it sounds like you've uh just so i can be clear about where you're at it sounds like you have entered a phase where you are, um, how would I put it? You, you are sort of testing your new open-mindedness. You're taking action on it, but maybe still not totally. You're, you're still overwhelmed by that. So it sounds like you've you've had some hookups. You've started to explore, but it's still yeah. kind of a mind fuck for you that it's going down. Yeah, but then it, then that's where it gets into some hairy shit, though, because the thing about it is that I, because I do what I do for a living, it's like there are times and places where it's not, you know, like I, when I first broke up with my girlfriend, for example, I was in this place where you just start fucking go, you just jump into every bar and you throw your hands up and you say, "Who? let's all fuck, you know, you're just in that mood where you're just like, let's, you want to and be that social. Works? Like I'm, Does I, that work? I, I, need, I need to... Does that work when you run into a bar, throw your hands in the air, and yell, let's all fuck? Does that work out? (laughs) Only metaphorically. I've been, I've Um, had a couple stretches where I was single and really out on the town. And even in my most uh, hound dog days, I don't remember ever running into a bar and shouting, let's all fuck, and having that work. Yeah. Going to the wrong bars, pal. No. Maybe um, the right ones, my friend. I think that. I think that what, like, what I meant was that I was in a I place know. where I wanted 
to explore. So yeah. I was exploring. And I'm, as you noticed, I'm someone who talks a good deal and mm-hmm. I, I'm very friendly and I'm very approachable. And again, not a, I'm, I'm a small person, so it's, I'm very non-threatening and I'm very goofy. So I come up to you in a random public place. Chances are you're going to entertain what I have to say and not think that I'm an impo- I don't have a very imposing nature. Um, so I just talk to people and it's never been difficult for me to, um, to have a sexual experience with someone or just like approach people, talk to them, make friends. And, you know, all throughout my life, it's been very easy for me to have sex and things like that. And when I was first single, I I embraced it and I went for it. But then I stopped giving a shit because I got, I I got past that phase and I didn't really want to be, um, sex became less important to me because I was out of that phase of a breakup where you just are free and you try things. But in that time period, I was traveling a lot and I was doing things that I difficult that are difficult to admit just because they're I, I mentioned earlier about being attracted to trans people. I had no idea how to where to, you know, how to meet trans people, except for like, you know, the like illegal way. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's obvious, if you know what I mean. Meaning, I meaning know. a uh, just like a a, mo- a money exchange for sex type situation. That's correct. Oh wow! You know, it's just one of those things where, like, I knew it was there, and it's it wasn't. Oh, I don't know. That those are the those are the examples of things where I struggle with it, and sometimes it feels like this beautiful sense of exploration, and sometimes it feels like, you know. And I mentioned before about fidelity and like uh, cheating on all the girlfriends I had in the past and never being able to, you know, I just like got off on the idea of doing something that was wrong. Like, you know, like jumping into like, you know, like making out with girls in, in stairwells in high school and like, you know, like, you know, sneaking around with my friends, girlfriends and things like I got off on that shit because it was fucked up and i don't know and so that's where you know then you you take that and like you know you work on that throughout your 20s because that's what you do and you you go you fuck yourself over and then you build it back up and then you and then i tried again you know with her and i was like this is different it was but then when all was said and done it wasn't because then I, I like i you know when you when you put that shit on top of the other thing i just said it's like that's where i start to wonder if sex addiction is a more appropriate term than overexcitable or some sh- something i don't know yeah i was gonna ask i was gonna ask if addiction is a part of this because i mean it's, it's certainly I, I mean you said you have adhd and i i know those things can tie together it's, it certainly sounds like you uh you maybe have some uh there's some imp- Im- impulsivity issues in there and maybe you're chasing some adrenaline rushes huh for sure and that's what makes me feel like it's more of an addiction based thing than it is just a um I don't know. Issue. I don't know. I mean, what is, where does it end? You know, I don't yeah, know. It's something that I've explored with my therapist to a degree, but it's also something that I, it, it, it's not, doesn't rule my life all the time. And it's changed so much since I was younger that I don't feel concerned about it anymore. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, what's so horrible about it, about hiring a sex worker, but I still feel shame and I'm nervous yeah. right now thinking about people identifying me 
and knowing that I've done that, you know, that, that makes right. me anxious. And well, I don't, I, I'll say this, let me, let me say this. Cause here's what I'm wrapping my head around is I, I, I don't, I don't judge sex workers and, uh, and you know, I've talked to some on the show one-on-one they're human beings. And yeah. one thing I will say is my understanding and I'm no expert. My understanding is that in the, how would I put it in the trans community, there may be, there's a reputation for some sex work that maybe is rooted in the fact that it is such an extremely marginalized community where there's fewer options, if that makes I'm sense. I'm sorry, that it is what? That the trans community faces such marginalization that sometimes people might become sex workers because there's not many other options might be the fear that maybe maybe it's a, a type of sex work. And I don't want to judge and I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but the the, yeah. the fear would be that in that community, which has faced... Uh, a lot of struggle and a lot of, uh, like I said, marginalization. That you worry yeah. that you worry that people are are backed into a corner. Um, but who am uh, I? Who am I to say? I don't know. I didn't meet the person you were with. Yeah, I, I agree. Know? Um, I will say this: one of the hardest things about it when I when I I didn't want to fetishize someone. Yes, that brave and that able to. I I was. 30 years old and just just being able to admit to myself that I was attracted to it. And then there's people and that, and that was so hard. And then I think about people who have been incapable of feeling comfortable for their entire lives Mm -hmm. because of the, of the socialization of gender and something I've never had to deal with. And it's something I've never seen firsthand. And I just, I was very cautious because I didn't want to fetishize someone that was just living their goddamn life. And it's just, so I, I was scared to in, to indulge in any way. And I think that was one thing that made the idea of, um, of, a of a, of a, of a sex worker so attractive because, um, you know, it was someone that I didn't have to, I, I, I was, I didn't, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I was afraid to offend them and I was afraid to do the wrong thing. And, or maybe be disrespectful, but you know, it's, it's funny. Cause I'm sure I was the only person that she saw that night that before and afterwards had a, a conversation with her about life and who she really was. I, I, don't, I don't, it wasn't that kind of situation where I assume that that happened very often. Wow. <sighs> wow. Um, wow. This one took some turns. I also want to put out there that underrated lookout catalog entry, Servotron. You know, oh, Servo- I don't know that one. You don't know Servotron? No. A bunch, of the guys from, a bunch of the guys from Man or Astro Man pretending they were robots writing songs about oh, ro- cool. robots taking over the world. Yeah. It was really great. I liked that thing that happened every once in a while. Like Green Day had that band where they just wore masks. Yeah. What was oh. that band called? Uh, there's a million. Yeah, that song, Money, Money, 2020. <laughs> yeah. A lot of weirdo bits. Anyway, let's right focus back up. I was just trying to break the tension by bringing up Servotron. Look them up. I sing the body. I will. Cybernetic. That's that band's big, big hit, as they say. Sounds wonderful. So this is, uh, this is this, there's, uh, there's some aspects. I'm listening to you, and I'm going, you know what? There's some aspects to which I'm going, you know what? Sexual freedom is an important thing. 
I think there's a lot of people who had whose heads get messed up because they uh, are are trained to stuff their impulses and their desires deep down out of shame, and that, I think that messes people's heads up, and it's dumb. But it also sounds like you're maybe mm-hmm. putting yourself in some truly impulsive situations that uh, even some of the things you said since you were a kid, it sounds like there's a pattern of behavior here that's not necessarily the uh, the healthiest, huh? And you know that. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say let's take a break there because things got very intense. Things got very uh, unexpected. The, the gate, the floodgates have broken, as you can imagine. In the rest of this call, we got a lot to deal with now. Also, I brought up Servotron, one of the underrated weirdo bands of the 90s. Check them out. Also, check out our advertisers who are coming up, you guys. They've got products. They've got services. They've got promo codes. Use the promo codes if you're so inclined. Helps Beautiful Anonymous when you do. We'll be back right after this with more phone call. You ever feel stressed or anxious? I have. Everybody knows that about me. If you listen to the show, you know anxiety is a real thing to me. You ever have trouble sleeping? I have had that as well. Especially when, when things were at their worst for me as far as my anxiety. That's when the sleeping goes. What are the coping tools? Right? That's a question you got to ask yourself. That's why we're excited to partner with Calm, the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. Calm gives you the tools you need to live a happier, healthier, and more mindful life. Just five minutes of Calm can change your whole day. No wonder it was named Apple's 2017 app of the year. Interested in trying? Go to calm.com beautiful and get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs like guided meditations on anxiety, stress, focus, and relationships with a brand new meditation each day called the Daily Calm Sleep Stories, which are like bedtime stories for grown-ups, and so much more. For a limited time, beautiful anonymous listeners can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash beautiful. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content. Get started today at calm.com slash beautiful. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash beautiful thanks again to all of our sponsors for helping us bring this show to the world now let's finish off the phone call even some of the things you said since you were a kid it sounds like there's a pattern of behavior here that's not necessarily the uh the healthiest huh and you know that yeah i mean for sure that's kind of where it all comes that's that's where the idea comes from is that you know i'm i'm like because I couldn't admit it to myself or because I didn't know how to do it and I didn't have the guts to just do it or whatever it was, I did things that, like, I mean, you know, you you see doing that and with her, with that situation specifically, is something where, like, you are putting yourself at risk of, I mean, it's legal, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, what if I, if I, that happened to me, I couldn't do my job. Mm-hmm. Probably, at least, and not in the same way. It's like it, it could have damaging effects, and you know that's not my fault. But it's still, it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be something that is so illegal, and it should be something that. I mean, it's, I think it's. I don't have any extreme or really fleshed out um, opinions on the politics, but I don't. It seems a little strange that it would be illegal for someone to sell their own body if they want to, but it's not that simple either. These a lot of these people are coming from very hard situations and are like, have no choice and that's fucked up. But I don't know. I don't understand it and I don't begin to, but I did it in the most respectful way I knew how, but it's still putting myself in a situation that's dangerous 
to feed an impulse that's uh, under, like it's I'm, that is like that I barely understand about myself, mm-hmm. and that's pretty addiction. Uh, e. It's a pretty. It seems like something that people do when they're addicted to things. Well, even you just saying, yeah. I mean, you saying that when you were a kid, you like to sneak off into a hallway and make out because you might get caught or that you've made out with, with people who you knew the boyfriends, right? You said that, like, you, I think mm-hmm. you used some phrase, like, I, I would get off on stuff that felt bad. It was bad to do it. So, yeah, like, yeah. And I get it. I get yeah. it. But it, it certainly sounds like you're hitting your 30s now and that and that you might be... You might be uh, doubling down on that. Um, Maybe. Um, a, but I think only, there's a lot a, about it that I understand now. Of that course. I then. And I hope, that, I hope yeah. that's very true. Uh, but, but there's something to be said for you've put people in a situation in the past where I would imagine you've messed up some of your own relationships. You messed up you've, uh, and you hurt, you hurt some ex-girlfriends, I would imagine. And, uh, Absolutely. All of that just throws your own life into chaos over and over again. And that's what I think is so concerning to me. No judgment of the feelings you're feeling or the desires you're acting on. Um, but I, I will just express to you, my friend, the nervous interrupter, a real concern that this side of your, uh, this side of your psyche, when you act on it, you act on it in a way that's like a, like a wrecking ball. And that's dangerous. I agree with you. And I think that that is something that I've, already begun to figure out because like I said, there was that phase after the relationship where I was very excited about trying new things. And then that led me to do other things. Um, so then the other aspect of it is that I, um, you know, since then being able to say those things to myself, to say to myself that I'm attracted to to those kind of, to, to, to people and to anything and that there is no one thing, and then being able to say that aloud to people that I respected and then to be able to just say it in conversation like it didn't matter because it doesn't. Um, that, I think, may have contributed to a lot of the ways that I was in the past. So then it kind of it gave me a bit of clarity to just be able to say it and to just be able to admit it and then right. understand it as something that was so horrible like what's so bad about it you know i just i think just being able to do that made me realize that i um i don't know it a lot of the ways that it scared me that i was that way have become far more manageable since i admitted to myself that i had just a a different a a, a non-conventional uh idea of love and sex well, I think that's very eye-opening. So you're saying the fact that you had some feelings that were unspoken and unacted upon mm-hmm. meant that the way you did act on the feelings even close to them had to be kept I had to do it. a little underground, couldn't get... a little secret. Because yeah. that's why I was doing the things that I was doing and sneaking around because I was afraid of the sexual urges and what they meant. And being able to admit that I, that, that there was a different way of it and add on, you know, years of learning from mistakes and, uh, you know, it being, it just, it, it made it easier to understand that. And I, and I, you know, I feel like it is, you know, one of the most defining revel- revelations of my life. I mean, it, I've changed so much 
just from being able to admit that. And I would never would have done that if I hadn't left my ex. And that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I wish to high heaven that she didn't hate me, but people come and go, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. I, I feel like I've changed a lot just from having understood it. And I still think it's probably something that I should uh, talk to my therapist more about. Um, and at least I'm aware enough now to know when it's, I know how, I, I know the worst that it could be. You know, I know the worst that I could, I could do to myself with any of it and how self-destructive it can be. And I don't, you know, I do worry about someday being able to make a, a, a decision that silly, uh, in a, in a future relationship. But I yeah. think that so much has changed since then that, like just admitting it has made me able to uh, see a future where I, I can be with someone absolutely and not be hiding things from them. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I could never, that would have to come out almost immediately, you know, at this point, all of the things I've done, like my current ex-girlfriend doesn't even know that she was the only girlfriend I ever had that I didn't cheat on because I could never admit it to her. Wow. Wow. Cause I was afraid that she would see me for the, you know, this, like, you know, this, like, fucking monster that is, I sometimes look at myself as, you know, like, this piece of shit that just cheats on everybody and doesn't give a fuck about anybody but himself, and then, you know, runs away on tour and fucks off, and nobody, you know, can't find me, bye. Well, I don't know. I'm glad you to know? hear you're sorting it out, because, uh, again, the last thing I want to be is an armchair shrink at all, but, uh... No, I get that. Of course, but... It doesn't sound far off from how other people talk about other types of addictions. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you check a lot of boxes for for that for the whole sex addiction thing. But I think so much of it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I did it's that so, little. It doesn't so much of it make sense that what you're talking about how we basically live in a very very puritanical uh, society and culture, and we try to keep things in these boxes. And the boxes, simply put, do not work. They probably never have, and they're working progressively less than they ever have. And so much of why these things have to come in a form of, of sort of acting out in a dangerous way is because you grow up feeling completely uncomfortable with these feelings that you don't choose, that you don't dictate to yourself, that comes down to your biology, your chemistry, or your inclinations that you choose along the way. Either way, if, if, if you don't spend so much time feeling like these things are shameful, then you don't have to hide them. And that means you don't have to hide them from other people. That means you don't have to cheat. That doesn't, that means you don't have to uh, do things in secrecy because of what does this say about me overall? No one else can know. I think if uh, it's so funny, we'd spend so much time talking about punk rock because isn't that what punk rock is about? Of like, fuck, <sighs> fuck, uh, fuck society and yeah. fuck what's normal. Go figure out who you are. Do it loud and proud. Yeah, man. man. Can I tell you something that's like fucks me up though that I, that I think about and it fucks me up a lot? Yeah. This idea that like, like, like I said before about how I come from this, like this, like when I was coming up, things were a lot different. And I, so much of who I am, uh, you know, immigrants, patriarchal shit that I mentioned earlier, and then the punk rock shit that was still very different back then. So much of who I am was, was 
and I didn't have a father, so I looked to all these fucking singers, these lead singers, to give me advice, like all their little, you know, their their best lines that people have tattooed across their collarbones. Or like those were my fucking fathers. It's like in, you know, that Jim Carrey movie where he's fucking Pete Wilson one with him and Matthew Broderick, where he like gets raised by the television. The cable guy, man. The cable guy. The cable guy. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. What a Judd Apatow production. Fucking a. My whole life comes Um, back to Judd Apatow over and over again. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people can say that, and that's what uh, Freaks and Geeks seems. He seems like a wonderful uh, teacher. Um, I'm grateful for him. He's a great. Anyway, um, I feel like I was uh, in a lot of ways raised by the fucking music I listened to, and that's. part of who I am and it's in my soul so fucking deeply and then I feel slighted by it now I'm 30 years old and I'm only now able to admit to myself and I don't mean to put it on it's my responsibility and that's that but you know um I just feel like I am afraid of the fact that I am the age that I am and that I'm only now being able to become comfortable and all the waste I've laid in all of it it's like I don't know I feel like if I was uh, whatever. I guess I was going to say, I feel like if I was born 10 years later, then I would have had an easier time understanding who I was. But who the fuck understands who they are, first of all? And second of all, how many times have I ever said to myself, if I was born 10 years earlier, I would have felt better or something? I don't know. You know, I think I'm just confused and I think I'm just working something out. <laughs> yeah, you're working a lot out. That's okay. We all are. Yeah. I tell you what, too. I'm though. also very alone, though. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I don't have a lot of friends. Well, I do, but then none of them are here. None of them are where I live. I spend most of my time alone, so I think it's difficult. Like you know, like I said, man, you caught me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm I've, after this. I have to imagine we only have a little while left, and after About this, I go six to minutes. the. Yeah, go and back I have on to the road. Go fly to uh, uh, far away and go and do a thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, like you're the only person that I've spoken to out loud, except for my neighbor in days. I called my mom yesterday. That's it, dude. You're depressed. Yeah, for sure, Chris. <laughs> freaked out. You're freaked out about where your head's at, and you're depressed. Can I tell you another thing though that I want to say, just so that it's not just check out how much of a pile of shit of mess I've been since my relationship ended. Since my relationship ended. I also quit smoking cigarettes. I smoked a pack a day for over 10 years, and I never tried to quit once. I quit cold turkey a few months ago. I'm on four months now. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. And then I also started like going to the gym a bunch to get my body together, just as like a sheerly out of boredom. Um, <laughs> but I think that like today and the past few days, I've been having a very hard time inside my head. But the I mentioned earlier about like having the massive revelation of just being able to admit some things to myself. The time since I've been alone here uh, has has bear, a lot of good things have happened. That's good. Um, but it, you know, the past few days have been oddly difficult, and I, I just maybe that's just how is that just how depression works sometimes. Sometimes you just fucked. <laughs> yeah. In my experience, it is. I'll tell you what, too. Here's another thing I want to say. You would brought up something before about, like, man, I'm 31, and I'm just figuring this stuff up now, and I'm kind of, like, beating myself about that. I, I, I will say that there's, you know, there's obviously some truth to that, and you can't get time back. 
but in the same way that we're saying, like it's kind of a, it's kind of you know this idea that you have to be option A or option B is exposing itself as more and more bullshit as time goes on. I would I would also just put out there for you not to beat yourself up about being thirty one because you know a lot of people uh, a lot of people never figure it out or a lot of people you know have. A lot of people have like uh, struggles that they should be figuring out that they opt not to figure out, and then it just kind of tears their whole life down. So, thirty-one ain't that old, is my yeah. point. Thirty-one is not that old, especially these days. I agree. I think that I give myself a lot of shit. Like, like my best days are behind me, um, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that stands in my way. You know, I, th- I mean, you know, I don't know. I think I'm in my own way a lot. I think that. Uh, you know, I I, I I give people advice. Like I, I'm like someone who I think that people turn to for advice all the time. Like I'm a I'm a somebody. I I love helping my friends, and I, I tell my friends constantly to call me whenever they need to, and I listen to them, and I tell them so many things. And I tell people all the time. Nine, you know, I always say nine nine times out of ten, the only thing standing in between you and what you want is you, and not what you want. That's like something that I like said once, remembered. And was like, that's good advice. I tell myself all the time and I tell people all the time because it's a wonderful thing to say and think. And I still, and that's like something that I, you know, here I am. Like, I'm just in my own fucking way. I just can't, just didn't, you know, but it's not always this way. And it's strange that I would, we would have this conversation today because today is probably the worst I've felt in a very long time. And I've had such good experiences, so many good experiences recently. In the past, like seven, you know, seven months since I've been single, I've had mostly good times, a lot of really positive experiences, and then for some reason, past few days, I've well, been uh, really sorry. I've, to been, hear I've that. been in a state of mind that's interesting for a beautiful, beautiful anonymous podcast. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really sorry to hear it. Sorry to hear that you're hurting. <laughs> Thank you, man. I think that's all that. Um, the only thing that really. Uh, um, the only thing that really helps, you know, actually one of my really good friends is in a band that people love. And I was talking to her last night about depression and I was about to text her when I got the notification of your tweet saying to call in to be on the show. And I was about to text her and tell her that last night when she gave me empathy and shared her problems with me, it was the only, it, it made me realize that like one of the only things that helps with depression is when someone that you trust tells you that they're also fucked up because, you know, seeing other people be okay makes you wonder that like, you're not like you can't be or something like there's always going to be something wrong with you and you'll always be fucked up and you may as well just feel fucked up. I don't know. It does it to me and her telling me that she was okay or that she was fucked up and not okay. Made everything. It it just meant it meant it was the only thing that made me feel better. And then I watched that free thinking documentary and cried. But I was about to text her, and then you interrupted me. So, thanks, Chris. Well, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I got in the way. We have one minute left. We have one minute left. You know, I want to respond to what you just said and say, you know what I found out in my travels, and not uh, not just through this show, and not just because I've spoken publicly about my own problems, but I feel like you could you could talk you could ask anybody at any given time, "Are you doing okay?" And it's just a total crapshoot of where the answer is: yes or no. And it shifts all the time yeah. for all of us. And uh, when this shit is at its worst, you feel so alone. And that's one of the first little tricks it plays on you is convincing you you're alone. 
you're far from alone. We're all fucked up. Everybody's united. We're not, none of us are fucked up in the same way, but a whole lot of us at any given time are real fucked up. And we got to remember that because at the very least, just like punk rock, there's strength in numbers. All the freaks in the alley. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, man. It makes a world of difference just to... It's so easy to understand. Like, it's so easy to believe that you're not alone, and yeah, I know that. But it's the being reminded of it is the only thing that helps sometimes. Hey, we're about to run out of time. I hope you feel better. I hope. Thank you, you for doing what you do, man. Thank you, and I hope you don't. You know, I hope you figure it all out in a way that it's not destructive to you and to others. And I hope you uh, can embrace yourself and be true to yourself and unashamed, and that that lack of shame gives it a more firm, firm foundation to stand on. And also. How much does it suck that Ben Weasel went went nuts and we can't like Screech and Weasel anymore? Because those songs are still catchy, goddammit. Caller, I really meant it. Thank you for calling. And I so genuinely hope that you uh, sort this out. You know, you had said a few times throughout the call that you uh, want to talk more with your shrink about this. And I always give that a thumbs up, which everybody knows. I hope you uh, keep opening up about it. I hope you keep figuring yourself out. I hope you keep or seeing where your impulses are coming from and finding the healthy way to act on them. The healthy way. The uh, most important thing, right? Because it's out there. It's out there once we shake off all the shame and the guilt and the stuff like that. So much love to you. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you to Justin Linville for helping me organize my life. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the music. I go out on the road. I do stand-up comedy all the time. Maybe I'm coming to your town. ChrisGeth.com is where you can find out you like beautiful anonymous rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts. it really helps so much when you do see you next time i'm beautiful anonymous next time on beautiful anonymous perhaps the busiest person i have ever talked to You have a four-year-old son, you're going to school full-time, and you're working a job that makes you cry full-time. Yes. Wow. Are you doing, do you do like a lot of online (laughs) courses? How do you, how do you juggle all that? So I go to school three times a week uh, for three classes, and then I do uh, two online classes. My son's dad has our son three times a week, so Mm -hmm. I go to school those days that he's with his dad. You must be exhausted. Yes. Lots of, uh, lots of coffee and espresso shots. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.